0: Last week, I really enjoyed getting to talk to you about what could really bring peace into the world. And where I ended it last week is where I want to pick it up this week, because where I ended it last week is the only way to really have peace, the peace that Jesus was talking about, was to be joined to Jesus. And I talked about all those things that we were wanting to join ourselves to that we thought were going to bring us peace. And how every one of those things is going to fall short of of that. Now, with that, remember I told you Jesus said, if you had just known peace, right? Meaning me. Then everything would be fine. Now, let's pick that up. Not everything will be fine as in no chaos. Remember I said peace was not the absence of chaos last week. All right. If you turn in your Bibles to Luke, the 12th chapter, and go all the way to the end of that, the 49th verse, because that 12th chapter, it has 59 verses in it, okay? It's a big chapter in Luke. So if you turn to the 49th verse of the 12th chapter, You'll hear these words of Christ. I came to send fire on the earth. Now, if I'm one of the apostles, the difference between disciple and apostles, there's about 250, 300 disciples following Jesus around. That's about the size of the Santa Claus church, 250 to 300 people. And we're all following Jesus. Some of us are following Jesus because we're wondering, I wonder if this guy's got the answer. We're a disciple. We're following Jesus. Some of us are following Jesus, and we decided three years ago that this guy was the Messiah and he was the answer. We're more mature disciples. So both of them are in this crowd of 250 to 300 people that are following Jesus you know that of that 250 to 300, he called 12 to be apostles. And so he he called them out. So you've been hearing all of these inner circle type dialogues, and now you're one of the disciples, and you hear Jesus say this, I came to bring fire on the earth. That's not what he's been saying, is it? He has said, I came to bring life that you might have it more abundantly. Well, that doesn't sound like fire to me. I came that you might. All these I came statements, just like the I am statements, I am the bread of life. He's essentially saying, I came to this earth to bring fire on it. Already as a disciple, I'm scratching my head, and I'm saying something's not matching up here. But especially this next part after the preacher preached what he preached last week. I came to send fire on the earth, and not only that, I wish it were already kindled. I wish we were already burning. I have a baptism to be baptized with, Jesus said, and I am distressed. it's accomplished do you suppose that I came to give peace on earth didn't you just say last week that you did that if we joined ourselves to you That's the peace that you're wanting us to experience? Not not a world without chaos, but didn't you tell us that you are peace? And now you tell us that you wish the world were burning, and we're not supposed to think that you came to bring peace on earth. I tell you, not at all. I came to bring division. There is a difference, brothers and sisters, in us dealing with the fact that following Christ is going to cause division. You see, that's one thing for us to deal with. That's, that's like just understanding that there are natural consequences in life. And we all believe in, in, in just natural consequences, right? You act a certain way, you do something that's just going to happen. We're okay with the natural consequence of there's going to be division because of Christ. But this is a different statement. I came to bring division. That's not a natural consequence. That's a purposeful act. That's different than if I believe in Christ, there are going to be people that don't like me. Jesus says, do not think. Do not suppose that I came to give peace. I tell you, not at all, but rather division. I came to give or bring division. From now on, five and one house will be divided. Three against two, two against three. Father divided against son, son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother. The third one I absolutely agree with. Mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. Our daughter-in-law and mother-in-law get along very well, thank you. Here's what we have to unpack. If you're going to understand what Jesus means by, I came to bring division, you have to understand what he means by, I came to bring fire on the earth. And I wish it were already kindled. Because if you don't understand what he means by that, you don't understand what he means by, the world is going to experience division. I came that they might do that. So let me unpack that for you. And I want to unpack that for you here just very shortly, very quickly, um, by talking about this concept in our modern world of unity. That's the way we talk about something that is not divided, right? We say it's, it's unified. And the world cries and screams for unity. We're in a political season right now. That means the parties are trying to do what? The political parties. They're trying to unify themselves. And so we have primary elections. And, and the Democratic Party right now is... Uh, um, they're trying to unify themselves around a candidate and you know that can get ugly and that can get nasty And somewhere in all of that it got n- ugly and nasty four years ago when the republicans were trying to do it right um, because the democrats were unified four years ago the republicans there were like two thousand candidates out there and and uh, everybody was calling everybody names and you know that at some point during that whether you're republican or democrat somebody's voice always comes to the top that says now We've got to unify. We've got to unify. We've got to come together. Don't care what party you belong to. At some point, you've got to unify. I want to talk to you about when unity fails. I want to talk to you about the reality of unity that absolutely fails. And here's one of the statements that I want to make. Unity always comes. If you don't remember anything else, think about this this week, okay? Unity always comes at the price of individuality. Always. Unity will always come at the price of individuality. Now, some unity, you lose more of your individuality than others. Not, not like you totally get consumed But you will give up some of what it means for you to just be an individual if you are going to be united, if you are going to be unified. There are going to be things that you're not going to be able to just have of your own anymore. So I want you to hear the statement as as I try to unpack this. Unity will always come at the price of individuality. So I want to talk to you for just a minute about what happens when unity fails, and I want to take us all the way back to the very first story in Genesis, when you've got Adam and Eve, and they're in a garden, and there's a tree, and there's a choice between them, and God has given them a command that you shall not eat of that tree. And we know that Satan has a conversation with Eve, and we know that in that conversation, Eve to be in unity with Satan, not full unity, but in agreement with, yes, because she's going to do what he suggests she do. That is unity, brothers and sisters. When when you agree with somebody to act upon something, you have now united with that person. There is common. And so Eve gives up Part of herself, her individuality to do that. And particularly, she gives up that part of her that was supposed to be obedient to a command that God had given her. And it doesn't stop there because it says she took it and then offered it to Adam. And now that which two people had agreed upon, this food will give you knowledge Ah, Eve says, let's do it. And now she goes to Adam and he gives up his individuality and joins the group. Now you've got not just two, but you've got three in this group. Unity is growing. And can I tell you, unity in this case fails? But they were united They were united in the fact that this tree was good for the production of the knowledge of good and evil. You you go forward, of course we get Cain and Abel and things don't look very united. But can I tell you it wasn't long until humanity united again? Because it's going to tell us several hundred years later because Adam and Eve are going to live for hundreds of years and they're going to have kids and those kids are going to have kids and the world's going to be full of people. And it tells us about 800 years later we get to the point that the earth is united again because God looks down at the earth, this story of Genesis, this this, uh, 4th, 5th, 6th chapters of Genesis and the hearts of All men were intent on evil. Now that's united. We were all following the same path. And we know what happens there. The great flood comes because God says, I'm I'm not going to deal with this. We know that God didn't deal with With Satan and Adam and Eve as they're united in the garden and he kicks them out. We know that God is not going to deal with a united people that have turned away from him and turned only to their own hearts. And so he destroys the earth with a flood. But you know what happens? The floodwaters go down. Humanity rebuilds from Noah and his wife and three sons and their wives. And it's not too many years that go by. And God comes down and looks again, and he sees that humanity has begun to build a tower. And I almost get the sense that God puts his palm upside his head like this and says, good grief. When are they going to learn? His words to us in Scripture were, if they can do this, nothing is impossible. Why? Because, brothers and sisters, if you want to accomplish something, unite. You want to win an election? Be better at uniting than the other team. You want to win a basketball game? You give up your individuality, and you do what our team did last night. You play together as a team, and if you play better, united, you win. I don't care whether it's, it's musicians in a, a winter guard or, or a, a, a band, but when you come up here and play on the praise team, You don't get to come up here and pick up a guitar and then all of a sudden play any notes that you want to or sing any notes that you want to. You give up that individuality for the unity of the group. If you want to win something, if you want to be good at something, unite. You can do it. And God looks down at the world and he says, good grief, they have figured it out again. And so what does he do? He he, He confuses the language. He divides the people. And to this day, you go to the UN sometime. Go to C-SPAN. Because every once in a while, C-SPAN has, you know, the United Nations and uh, um, and they broadcast that. And you'll see that everybody's got their own little earpiece in. Why? Because nobody's speaking the same language. And that's a barrier to us getting along in the world. But what are we trying to do? In the united nations. We're trying to bring the world together because in unity we can accomplish. And so we're always struggling to bring that back together. And how many times do we do that before we realize we can accomplish just about anything we want if we'll unify ourselves. But what happens when unity fails time after time after time after time? And, and we, we can just keep going Through Scripture, we can watch as Israel unites and and they get beaten up again. Because unity in and of itself does not accomplish what needs to be accomplished in this world when unity fails. And so Jesus is saying to this group of 250 or 300 disciples who, by the way, are beginning to do what? Unify. They're beginning to come together. They've been walking with Jesus for about three years at this point because these are, these are all Scripture verses that, that are about the end of days and Jesus telling them, okay, I'm about done here. And, and he's very clear with here, I have a baptism I have to go through and, man, I wish it were already accomplished. Why? Because I'm distressed about this. Oh, His people are beginning to unify, and he looks at those people, and he says to them, I did not come to just unite you. And yet, that's what we we think our job is in the church, right? Let's just unite. Can't we just agree? Can't we just all get along? The purpose... (laughs) The purpose of the church is not to just have a group of people that all of a sudden believe and agree with the same things. We try to do that on our trustees in the United Methodist Church. We make sure that we have to have three women. Why? Well, because you can't be unequal. You can't be unfair. Never quite understood that, though, because you can have six men. All right. We don't let family members serve on administrative council or staff parish together because that might be unequal. We've got to have unity, right? So we do everything we can to try to unite the church that's the big thing in the United Methodist Church right now. By the way, we didn't get united because everybody thought that Methodists were going to all of a sudden be united. We got united in the Methodist Church because uh, of the, the denomination called Evangelical United Brethren. And the only part that we kept from that was United, And so we had Methodist and we had United Brethren and we kept the United and we kept the Methodist and we became United Methodist. But since we became United Methodist in 1968, we've never been united about anything. So don't fool yourselves. We started arguing in 1969. Jesus said, I came... Not the natural consequence of me being here, but I came to bring division. To understand that, you have to understand the fire that he's talking about. And the fire that he's talking about here is the fire that we see continually through the Old Testament and the New Testament that is about burning off dross. That is the process by which we take metal and we put it in a bowl... And we heat that bowl with a fire that is so hot that that metal begins to melt. And depending on what type of metal it is, the heat as you apply it to that, you can scoop off the good metal, whether it's gold or silver. And depending on what temperature you need the fire to be, Jesus is saying, I came to separate that which was of me from that which isn't. It's, there's no, it's not accidental that just a few verses after this, Jesus is going to say, I need to tell you something about the way to heaven. Because the way to heaven is narrow. It's like a narrow road. And there aren't going to be very many people that walk that road. But let me tell you something about the the road to destruction. It's a broad road, and there's going to be a lot of people who are going to go down that road. It's not an accident that just a few verses after this, Jesus is going to be teaching lessons about what happens if you don't get to the right place, if you are not united in the right way. You see, unity is not the issue. What you are united to is the issue. What you're in unity with, that's the question of today's verse. Because the world's idea is, we just, I don't care where we're going, let's just decide to get there together. Can't we all just get along? Well, the truth is, no. We can't all just get along. Can I tell you that that one of the saddest conversations I have is a conversation that happens in my office when there's a man and a wife that are contemplating divorce that come into my office and they will say to each other this. Well, we need to stay together for our kids. Now, you know me. I'm not an advocate for divorce. But really? Do you, do you know the toxic environment that you're going to create for your kid if you decide, well, we got to stay married until they're 18? But at 18, sweetheart. You know what my counsel is to that family? My counsel is, if you're going to stay together just for your kid, you are going to create an environment for that kid that is going to destroy that kid's life. How about if you step back from this? Because you're already in my office, which means you already believe in God, which means you already believe in Jesus Christ. If you're a Christian, you just might be a little confused about that belief in Jesus Christ in these moments. But how about if you and your marriage focus on being united with Christ? rather than around your child. Because if you will unite around Christ as husband and wife, Christ will create within your family the environment that will not be toxic. Because let me tell you, for those of you that are raising kids, a new day is coming. And that is the day that every one of us who have already raised our kids and our kids have left we have already experienced. And can I tell you, I know that it's hard when you have little bitty ones. I know that it's hard. I know that it's hard to have a baby and a five-year-old or to have a three-year-old and a 10-year-old or to have lots of them in between. And and you're running here and you're running there and you're running here and you're running there and you're not getting any sleep and everybody... I know that's hard and man... But can I tell you that something harder is even coming? Because they're going to turn 18 or 19 years old. And they're going to be gone. And you're going to be left with either that man or that woman. And you're going to be looking at each other and you're going to say, Who in the world are you? And there are going to be days when you're going to say, and I married you because? And you're going to have to rediscover what it means to be married without children. And brothers and sisters, you're generally 20 years older at that point, so all those reasons that you had when you were 20 or 25, they ain't there anymore. Okay, your, your husband pulls a hamstring playing pickleball. Let's just be honest. You can't unify around the things of the world. But that's what we think unity means. The things that we want to accomplish in this world. Jesus says, I didn't come into this world to just Help you get along. I came to bring fire. I came to bring into your life. You as an individual. You as a church. Which is a group of individuals. You as a nation. I don't care what entity you're talking about. That you want unity in. Christ said I came to bring a fire into that. To burn off the things that are not of me. And to preserve Like gold, silver, the things that are of me. And he says the reality is that means Father is going to be in conflict with Son. And so on the heels of last week's message, Jesus says, peace happens when you join with me. And and on the heels of that, he gives his disciples that next teaching that says, and you need to understand this, to join with me means that you are a part of the fire I'm bringing into this world. And we can go back to the golden calves of the Old Testament and see what happens when we unify around something that isn't of God. And so, brothers and sisters, here's the plea of Jesus in in, in today's Scripture verses to His disciples. You're beginning this new thing called the church as as lives of faith in a new way. And and Jesus is saying to us in, in the Scripture verses today, if we will listen to Him, I believe that it is unity in Him that creates in us literally the fire that will put us on the narrow road rather than on the broad road. It is the fire that will burn away the things that we really don't need to have as a part of our life in favor of the things that Christ does want to be a part of our lives. It's our families as as we lift Christ up as the center of our families. It's our church as we lift Christ up as the center of our church and not each other. We care less about, am I going to offend that person than am I going to offend Christ? And can I tell you that in the church, many, many times we are more concerned whether or not we're going to offend the person rather than whether we're going to offend Christ. And so we read, I came to send fire on the earth. I wish it were already kindled. He's ready. I have a baptism to be baptized with, and I am distressed until it is accomplished. And so don't suppose that I came to give peace on earth. I tell you, not at all, but rather division. Father against son, son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother, daughter-in-law against mother-in-law, so on. Heavenly Father, I just pray that the message of today's Scripture now does sink into our hearts. And I pray that, that we maintain this idea of peace, being joined to you, even in the midst of division. Because, Lord, we will see that we are unified in you, not in each other. That we are unified in you for your purposes, for your timetables, for what you are doing. And, Lord, I pray that we, as a church here in Santa Claus, that might be the thing we are willing to give our individuality to, For Lord, I am willing to give up my individuality for faith in you and unity in you. May it be as you have called us. And amen. All right, please stand. I'd love to leave you with a blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May God lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God is good and all the time. Go in peace. God bless everybody.